Supreme Court today ruled that abortion is completely a private matter to be decided by mother and doctor in the first three months of pregnancy. Roe versus Wade was decided in January 22nd, 1973. It was a seven to two opinion. Five of those seven justices were Republican appointed. We'll hear arguments number 18, Roe against Wade. This was a case about a Texas woman, Jane Roe, a pseudonym for her real name, taking on Dallas County DA Henry Wade to challenge Texas's abortion laws. Jane Roe was a woman named Norma McCorvey, and for years she was totally anonymous. When Norma McCorvey became pregnant, she had actually already twice given birth and both times given her babies up for adoption. And so she was vehement that this time she did not want to carry her pregnancy to term. At the time, being pregnant and in a condition where you didn't have a higher education and where you were economically fraught situation, it meant a life of continued poverty. She ends up getting connected to these two young attorneys, Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington. Eventually, they communicated to Norma that she was not herself going to be able to have an abortion, but she could help other women to do so if she became their plaintiff and she decided to proceed. She did not initially set out to become a plaintiff in a case that would become one of the most important cases in the 20th century. While the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade held that women had a constitutional right to access abortion, the decision came too late for Norma McCorvey to access her wanted abortion. When the decision came down, there was opposition brewing, but we didn't really see the flashpoint and divisive political debate uh, that we see today. Let your baby live! If a woman does not want to have a pregnancy, she will find a way to end it, whether it's legal or illegal. The conservative movement in the 80s really latched on to abortion as an issue that they saw would give them energy in their base, and that's when they started to lay the groundwork for this movement that took off. Within just the last few years, here in Washington and across the country, tens of thousands of people, many of whom had never been involved in anything more political than a PTA meeting, have gotten involved in the pro-life cause. It is Jerry Falwell who really says he makes abortion the sort of most important rallying cry in his organization. He founds the moral majority. And I look on the unborn as the last disenfranchised minority in this country that has absolutely no civil rights. And they have the perfect person entering the White House at that point. Today, the president announced some new regulations he would like to see in order to end the use of federal funds for abortion, counseling, and referrals. We must not rest, and I pledge to you that I will not rest until a human life amendment becomes a part of our Constitution. As the movement is gathering force, Norma McCorvey is nowhere to be found. She's living in anonymity. 
she had preferred to remain quiet. So when she went public as Jane Roe, it was a celebration, really, among abortion rights advocates. This call will be recorded and subject to monitoring at any time. To accept this call, press 5. To block this call and all future calls, you may begin speaking now. Have you ever heard of the term she kissed a lot of frogs to get to her prince? I'm sure you have. Well, that was me. At 43 years old, I've had my fair share of failed relationships, situationships, meaningless connections. So about two years ago, I decided I was just going to embrace the single life and continue building my brand and creating a legacy. I never saw myself being married and definitely, definitely not to an inmate. But life is tricky, huh? Hey guys, so before we get started, I wanted to introduce a new segment to Wetlock Chronicles podcast. It's called Prison Wife Cocktails. Yes, yes, yes. As a prison wife, hell, as a woman these days, we need a little me time drink, our girls night cocktail. So I've decided to introduce something cool and fun that we can do together. As I jump into my episodes, join me and take a sip. Now, today's Prison Wife Cocktail is called Exhibit A. It is Kettle One Vodka, Blood Orange Juice, Ice, and Orange Wedges for Garnishment. So, are you ready? Now, you're going to take a glass and you're going to get a shaker. You're going to take three orange wedges and put them at the bottom of your glass and pour the ice on top and set it to the side. Now, you're going to take your shaker you're going to fill your shaker up with ice and you're going to take one and a half shots of Kettle One Vodka, two shots of blood orange juice and shake and pour. After you pour this delicious drink into your glass, you're going to add another orange wedge for garnishment, whether you want to sit it on the top of the drink or on the side of your glass. Either way, this drink is amazing. You can use a straw or you can sip straight from the glass. And that is the Prison Wife Cocktail of the Day, Exhibit A. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 9 of season 2. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, as of June 24th. 2022 the world as we know it has taken a drastic turn and I want to talk about that today I want to talk about Roe versus Wade and the overturning of this constitutional right that has been in place for 50 years I'm upset I have been thinking about it for the past couple of days. Um, and I am truly upset. I am truly affected by this decision. As a woman, um, I do not think the government has a right to have a say-so on what I choose to do with my body for whatever the reason may be. To have someone come in and control my decisions and my choices for what 
I decide them to be for is extremely troubling to me. And it's a bit scary. It's a bit scary because it makes me really, really wonder what is all this leading up to. Um, these are our rights, ladies. These are our rights. These are our constitutional rights. These are our God-given rights. These are our human rights. And I do not feel like this is something that should be put into place into law period, point blank. I feel like if I want to change my hair color, if I want to decide what I want to wear, like these are choices that we are supposed to be able to make that no one should be able to come in and tell us if we are right or wrong, if it's legal or it's illegal. This is insane to me. It was insane to me as a young girl growing up knowing that this was actually something that people were really fighting for. Our rights, our rights to choose and decide and so I have really been upset about this for the past couple of days. Um, it has really been making me think on a broader scale as to where else this leads to when it comes to our rights. We're talking about just as much as being a woman, but being a black woman, you know, it's starting to spill over into my thoughts about what's going to happen with the rights that we have as black people. You know, are we going to go back into um, Brown versus Board of Education, you know, um, um, peace versus Ferguson. Here we go with the um, desegregation of schools. Here we go with the having to be able to go where you want, drink from where you want, go into which door you want. Like this is big and it is bigger than probably what a lot of people are really realizing it to be. But again, I am very disturbed with this. I am completely disturbed um, with this decision you know, as a personal test of home, as a personal testimony, excuse me, I myself have had an abortion before. It was my choice. Um, I went into a situation trying to practice safe sex. And unfortunately, you know, as the cliche goes, yes, the condom did break. I was 19 years old when it happened. I did not want a child. And for which I decided to have protected sex and the condom broke. Now, if I go into a situation, a consensual situation, and I'm going in this situation practicing safe sex due to the fact that I don't want a child, and this is what happened, um, it was my choice to not have a child. And to be 19 years old, again, this is something that I did not want. I was freshly still being a teenager. I was learning myself. I did not want to be a parent at that time in my life. And I made that choice. I don't even regret that choice. It may seem harsh to some, but I really actually don't rec regret that choice because I was not ready. That was the point of me having consensual safe sex to begin with. Um, and I think back on that and say to myself, wow, like what if, this law would have been overturned and I would have been forced to have a child that I did not want. And I want to put emphasis on that. I did not want. Um, it's my right and it's my choice. Um, I'm the one that has to live with it. I'm the one that has to think about it. I'm the one that has to deal with it on a daily basis. Um, my decisions, as I say, I do not regret my decision um, but still, it was my choice. And whatever came with that, that was what I was going to personally have to deal with. So to have an outside person telling me what I can and cannot do that I feel is best for my life is completely crazy to me. Um, 
I've said many, many times before on this podcast, I never wanted children until I really got into this relationship with my husband. I never wanted kids. So to be made to do something that I don't want to do is complete blasphemy to me. Um, And it's so much bigger than just a child. We're talking about our rights. We as women are just now getting rights to vote. We are just now getting rights to have control over our bodies, our bodies just 50 years ago. This is something that really, I'm 44 years old. So just a couple of years, seven years prior to that, I we as women did not have that right. We did not have that right. Um, and I think this is something that we really need to fight for. Ladies, we have to fight for this right back. Like they cannot get away with this. Um, luckily, as I have been um, keeping up with you know, the backlash and, and all the different things that's been going on, you do have certain state governors that are not playing into this. Um, as a matter of fact, the governor of California said that he is not going to sign anything stating that abortions will be illegal. So now women are going to be faced with having to travel to get abortions. Um, uh, different companies are stepping up saying that they will provide um, expenses for women who have to travel, um, you know, different states or whatever to have these procedures done. Now, listen, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of people who are going to feel objective to what I'm saying. And that's fine. You have your opinion because guess what? That's your choice and that's your right. But our rights are being taken away. That is something totally different. When you start talking about your choices and, and your right to choose different things, you have to understand what that means. That means that you have the right to make a decision. Your mind can choose what you want to do, what feels good to you. And when someone steps in and tells you that it's against the law, for you to have a right to do something that you could face prison time because you want to do something that's better suited for your household and your life that these people would not have anything to do with. Further, after this abortion or non-abortion, these people would not have anything to do with your rent, your payments, your car notes, um, how you eat every day. If you have a household full of the children, how that will affect your household, like they don't. So if they don't have anything to do with your household, your expenses and your livelihood, how you move every day, they should not have a say so and what you do with your body, period, point blank. And that is my opinion on this. That 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 is my opinion. As I said before, I, I personally had an abortion and um, again, I think it's, I think it's a woman's choice. I definitely don't think a man should have a choice and a say so of what a woman does with her body, especially not several men, um, sitting in a courtroom definitely should not, unless they are the person that got you pregnant or this is your husband or something like that. Um, this is dangerous. This is a completely, completely dangerous. Um, and as I said before, it has really been on my mind. Like it gave me a headache yesterday, just thinking about it because I'm sitting here saying this is so much deeper than what it really, 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 really is. This is the reversal of our human rights, of our constitutional rights, which opened the doors for other things to be reversed and it's scary it is definitely scary i can't stress that enough but i definitely wanted to um 
touch on that and give my opinions on that. Now, as a prison wife, um, I sat there and I started thinking about, you know, because this is a podcast about prison wives and the chronicles of myself as a prison wife. I wanted to start thinking about um, how does that affect a prison wife? Now that this law has passed, even though in certain states it's it's not uh, illegal, and in some it is at this point. I mean, literally, as soon as the, the ink dried on the paper, I think states was already calling um, calling women who were having a, a scheduled abortion, telling them they couldn't do it. I mean, this went into effect in some states immediately. And again, I start thinking about how does this affect my prison wives? How does this affect me as a prison wife? So I start thinking about the different scenarios. Um, and one that I came up with is that, you know, let's just say you have a, a, a wife and her husband now has been sentenced to 20 years and they have four kids together. Um Upon him getting sentenced, you know, she finds out that she's pregnant. You know, she, 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 she's, he's been in there, let's say, I don't know, two or three months or something like that. So she finds out that she's pregnant, um, with four, with already four kids, with a husband going away to prison for 20 years, which is already another responsibility added on to the plate that she has to do alone by herself what happens with her choice? What if this child is too much to bear financially, um, being that she has to raise four kids already on her own and now a fifth child, on top of the fact a husband that's going to be incarcerated? What happens when this woman decides, I can't do this by myself? I won't even be able to do this with the four kids that I have. So that means that She's forced to have a fifth child and raise five children alone, as well as to be responsible for her spouse that's now incarcerated. And Lord knows I have talked about the financial burden that that can become depending on how long your spouse is incarcerated. Um, and that's something to think about. You know, that is definitely something to think about. Like, how does it affect the woman who has children that is forced to raise her kids by herself and cannot afford another child when your husband goes to jail and gets sentenced and has to do time they become a responsibility just like your other children and that one child would be another addition um to your life and what's gonna go on um the struggle is real. You know, the struggle is definitely real in a scenario like that. Now, what if you have a wife that decides, you know, hey, I, I, you know, as I said before in my last episode about the cheating factor, what if you have a wife that decides, you know, hey, it's been five years, um, one night out, one bad decision, one mistake, you meet a guy, you have sex, the condo breaks, you're married, you're married. What do you do? Do you actually tell your husband, um, I'm pregnant and I have to have this other person's baby? What do you do? What do you do now that your choice is taken away? You have to tell your husband you cheated. You have to tell your husband you're pregnant and you have to have this other man's baby that you probably really don't know, that you weren't really, you know, trying to even put them in your life for the next, the next 18 years. What do you do? 
again, I just start thinking of scenarios that my prison wives could get into. Um, this is not about cheating or anything like that, but these things happen. These things definitely happen. What do you do? The the choice is gone. Our right is gone. Um, you're either forced to go far away to get an abortion and which is expensive or, or to be faced with a unsafe abortion that could possibly kill you because this is what happened before this law even came into pass 50 years ago. You had women that were dying because they were going to have these basement doctor abortions. So now you put your life at risk trying to not have a child that you don't want or you can't afford because your rights have been taken away. This is just, this is deep. This is completely deep. And as I said before, as a prison wife, I started to think about different scenarios that could also affect us as wives, as as people that are out here maintaining our lives and also trying to help maintain our spouses' lives while they are away. Um, it's a financial situation. It's a financial uh, handicap. It's an emotional situation. And I don't think people really realize how dangerous this can really be. Like this can bring on depression. This can bring on suicide to be made to do something that you do not want, period, point blank. Um, It could take a, 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 a mental toll on you as well as emotional, as well as financial. It is so deep. Um, And again, as I said, it's very scary to me to have to sit here and realize as of two days ago, I don't have rights over my body. My vagina belongs to the government. I feel like I was raped on June 24th, 2022 by the Supreme Court judges. That's what I feel like. I feel like a rape victim. I feel like I was violated because you did what you wanted to do with my vagina and my body and I had no say so. If that's not a form of rape, I don't know what it is. So we all... All of us, all women, all of us women that are listening today, please understand what happened to all of us on June 24th, 2022. We were raped by the Supreme Court. That is my topic of the day. I'm going to leave it as that. Ladies, we have to do something about this. We have to do something about this. We have to talk about this. We have to go out and make our voices heard, um, protest, um, whatever your form of protesting is, um, tweet about it, um, post on your Instagram, post on your Facebook. We have to be heard. This is extremely serious. This is extremely serious. This is one of the rights that we had to fight for just as much as voting and as much as being black. This is episode nine of season two. Thank you again for tuning in to Wetlock Chronicles podcast. I love you guys. Ladies, I love you guys. Please let our voices be heard. Having a spouse incarcerated isn't easy. 
You go through a lot emotionally, mentally, and it can become a financial burden as well. Fed Up Wives is my nonprofit organization that's set to help wives of incarcerated inmates. To contact Fed Up Wives, you can email fedupwives.org at gmail.com or you can call 770-927-8011. Now back to the show. So now it's time for the story of the day. Oh, I am a bit disappointed in this story, but I'm going to give you the good part first. Um, My energy, my energy has been compromised. I have been dealing with a lot lately. Um, Just personal things, not relationship wise, but just personal things. And my husband is so wonderful and so amazing because we have switched roles. You know, I'm on the outside trying to give him as much love and positive affirmations so that he can go on every day um, dealing with what he's dealing with by being incarcerated. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, it's a lot that our loved ones take on um, being incarcerated. And so every day, every day, you know, we speak love into each other. But for the past month, maybe three, four weeks. Um, my husband has definitely held me down emotionally. Um, he's been really, really good with pushing me forward with some things. He's been really good with helping me stay, um, focused, helping me stay positive. Um, and I have really been leaning on him when things get rough, when I get upset, when I get just so, so angry and irritated, I'm just so glad that I do have a partner that I can just lay all my problems down to him. And although he's away, you know, he gives me the best, the best advice that he can. He gives me his raw, uncut opinion. And I respect him so much for it. And it's just crazy because, you know, at first I felt so bad. Like I was like, I don't want to put all this on him. I don't want to tell him all the things I'm going through on a day-to-day basis. You know, um, a couple of obstacles, you know, that I'm facing some choices that I need to make some decisions that I've made that, you know, are, are really affecting me. And so I really didn't want to burden him with what I was dealing with being where he is. You know, the the one thing I never wanted to do was make my husband feel even worse for not being a, being able to be here um, for me um, past what he can just tell me through email and through the phone. Um, you know, to make a helpless person feel even more helpless, that is one thing I just never wanted to do. And so I, I just... I just, I needed my man. I needed my husband and I needed to be able to just really talk to him and tell him what I was feeling and express, you know, how I was feeling about some things. And he's just been a great support. He has been a wonderful support system for me. And I'm just glad that, you know, he can give me the same things that, that I have been trying to give him. Um, and I love it. And I love him for that because Lord knows, um, I've, I've needed that. You know, I don't have a whole lot of people that I confide in. I don't have a whole, you know, I'm not a clicky person or anything like that. I have my 
set friends and I have my mother and my brother and I have my my family that I'm close to and I have my husband and my husband is the closest person to me that I share everything with and it just feels good to be able to um come to him and tell him the things that I'm thinking and I'm feeling um you know his advice on how to move with certain things and you know it's it's just a, a wonderful 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 feeling and I'm just glad that he's been you know receptive of it instead of looking at me like wait a minute I'm the one that's in jail and you know I'm the one that's going through da 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 what about my problems and just things like that he's been amazing and I just thank God for him every day but but I sent my husband an email and I wanted to get his opinion on the role versus Wade um he really hadn't been in the TV room to really know what had actually um, gone on as far as, you know, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. He was not even really familiar with Roe versus Wade. So I kind of broke down everything to him, explained to him the the original um, Roe versus Wade case, um, broke down what that meant for women and women's rights and then told him what previously happened on June the 24th and guys my husband's opinion I am going to say really really shocked me now I will say this I am very aware that my husband loves children my husband loves children if he could have a million kids he would have a million kids my husband loves children and that is the one thing that I do love about him I love the way my husband loves his daughters and I love the way he just really wants to be a father. I promise you, if he could have a thousand kids and could afford to have a thousand kids, he would do that. Has his personal, his personal feelings towards Roe versus Wade was shocking. And I really had to explain to my husband that his personal feelings about childbirth and babies was very different from the legal standpoint of what I was trying to explain to him. So my husband feels as though at a heartbeat, at a detection of a heartbeat, it's murder. My husband feels as though every child should have the opportunity of life. My husband feels as though, you know, being that he was born, you know, from a woman that was 43 or 44 years old, you know, there was a choice that he could have, that, that it was a risky pregnancy. As everybody knows, when you get up in that age, it's a risky, a risky pre- a pregnancy. Um, and, the cho- and the choice that his mother made to, you know, have him is another reason why he feels very strongly about this. And I respect my husband's opinion. I respect how he feels about it. But I also was trying to get him to understand that even with all of that, your mom had a choice. It wasn't taken away. Um, I even went as far as to explain to him, you know, how it affects women in different scenarios in different situations you know the rape victim the 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 incest the child the molestation um even for 
a person like me who never wanted kids, even with a person like me who tried to prevent pregnancy by having, you know, safe sex and 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 um using contraceptive and still getting pregnant but not wanting kids. But my husband's opinion is that if you have to go to jail for having an abortion at the at the at the process of a heartbeat, he's okay with that. And I am not. I told him that I felt like he didn't care anything about my rights. And he got so upset with me and was like, he could not believe that I actually said he didn't care about my rights. But again, I don't really think my husband understood the extent of how serious this is. His personal feelings about being against abortion is okay and it's respected and if that's the way he feels that's the way he feels it's the rights it's the rights that has been taken away from a woman to be able to choose what she wants to do with her body that is disturbing to me that he is just not budging from and so I said to him I said if the federal government told you that you could not have sex out of wedlock. And if you fathered a child out of wedlock, you would go to prison. Your outlook would be different. If the federal government controlled your dick, you would feel different. If the federal government told you who you can and who you cannot sleep with, you would feel different. Now, he said there's an exception. There's an exception for rape. There's an exception for child molestation. There's an exception if your health is in trouble and things like that. And what I tried to explain to him is that there's no exception. There's no exception. Plan B pills is a form of abortion. That's out the door. They're actually saying that rape victims, rapists, actually have paternal rights so everything that he was saying was an exception he did not realize that there's no exception anymore you have women that have health issues and if having a child could possibly kill them they have no choice they're forced to have a child even if their health is at risk They're forced to have this rapist baby. They're forced to have this baby from incest. They're forced to have this baby from being molested. Everything that he said was an exception is not an exception. The government has taken that right away. And so this is something that we've been going back and forth with for like two days. Like we have really been going back and forth for two days because again, his personal feelings versus our constitutional right is something that I'm not, I don't really think my husband is really understanding. As a person that's incarcerated, that's fighting for his freedom and fighting for his rights, if those are taken away, now what? Now what? You're incarcerated and you're having to tell, having to deal with someone telling you every day what you can and cannot do, how you can sleep, when you can sleep, what you can eat, what time you can eat. Your rights have been taken away. And you would want that for a person who chooses that they do not want a child. For whatever the circumstances is, that's between that person and God. 
So it 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 really it really angers me and I just thank God that at 44 years old, you know, I'm at high risk and I don't want to bring a child into this world at a high risk pregnancy because I don't want to bring a child into this world that could possibly have any kind of situation any kind of birth defect any kind of anything for me as a woman for me it's me for me as a woman it will be on my heart and on my conscience on a daily basis because I would feel like I did not give my child a full quality of life I did my child can't run around and play with other kids you know financially I can't really afford to you know take this type of situation on because it is very expensive some people look at it differently than I do but again it's my right and it's my choice that is so important in all of this and so you know, it's something that me and my husband been going back and forth with and he feels strong about the way he feels. I feel strongly about the way I feel. And the only end result that I could just say is I don't want any kids. And therefore, I'm not going to put myself in a predicament to even have kids because now my rights have are, are taken away. Um, and I don't want to be forced to do something that I don't want to do or I don't want to be forced to do something that would endanger my health or the health of my child. And these are the things that I have to start to think about now at 44 years old with a husband who actually still wants more children. So this is a hard one. Again, this is a hard one. And this is one of the uglies of the good, the bad, the ugly that coincides with being married and definitely being a prison wife because again this is something that I feel like is a decision between husband and wife and the families I don't think the government should be able to come inside my bedroom or inside my household and make that decision for me and that is what I'm trying to get my husband to really really understand like he has every right to feel how he feels about abortion but that's his personal feeling towards it um but again like I said um he feels like it's murder and if we have to go to jail for it then so be it and that's disheartening and that's the honest to God truth I mean as I told you this is raw uncut this is real this is actually actually real um unscripted this is my chronicles these are the things that I that I'm going through with my incarcerated husband but I am glad that I asked the questions I'm glad I have the you know the the guts to ask my husband these questions because how would I ever know how would I really know how he really feels how would he know how I truly truly feel so we have to ask the hard questions and we have to figure out how do we move forward and navigate through something so serious. This is very, very serious. Um, I'm a woman and I deserve my rights. And it's hard for me to accept my husband not wanting to help me fight for my actual rights. Um, but we'll get through it. Um, regardless of anything, you know, this is a life that we have decided to, you know, live together, um, and make together and it is what it is, <laughs> but I am pissed off. Just know that I am pissed off. I am pissed off and I am so surprised that my husband does feel that way, especially the love that he has for the women in his family, the love that he has for his daughters, um, 
I'm in shock. I'm really, really in shock. But hopefully, um, hopefully as time goes on, as he really gets in tune to what's really happening um, when it comes to women's rights and how deep this really goes, hopefully he will soon kind of grasp and understand the importance of us having our rights. It's it's so much deeper than just an abortion. You know, it's it's our reproductive rights. It's It's our rights to choose. Like, it's so much deeper than just children and 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 abortions but guys that is my story of the day thank you guys again for tuning in thank you guys for all the love and support i love you guys i don't have to say it all the time but i choose to so again this is episode nine of season two Instead of doing a meme of the day, I wanted to talk about an article that I found about Angela Davis speaking on the struggles of feminism. Lawrence, Kansas, professor and political activist Angela Davis addressed the University of Kansas here February 7th on the problems of feminism in capitalist society. Davis, a former political prisoner, is active on prison rights and was a two-time Communist Party vice presidential candidate. Davis commemorated the 40th anniversary of an event which 30 members of the feminist group February Sisters occupied the University of Kansas East Asian Studies building. They called for the creation of new facilities for women and did not leave the building until they were guaranteed an audience with university administrators, according to the University of Kansas History Collection. Quote, looking at their demands, I am not only impressed by the sisters' militancy and courage, but I am also impressed by the extent to which the demands they formulated then reflect concerns that 40 years later still have not been resolved, Davis said. Quote, I was especially impressed by the fact that they demanded a free daycare center and the establishment of a woman's health center that, among other services, would provide birth control with the emphasis on free. 40 years later, women throughout the country need free daycare more than ever before. A point to which Davis returned throughout her speech was the need for feminists to be conscious of class and race as well as gender. Davis also stressed the interdependence of the various issues that constitute the struggle for women's rights. Quote, In 1971, I was in jail. While I was in jail, I tried to participate as much as possible in movements that were unfolding in the so-called free world. There was a huge reproductive rights rally scheduled in San Francisco. I was in Marion County, just across the Golden Gate Bridge. I was asked to write a statement that very specifically engaged with the issues of abortion's rights. Of course, I was in favor for women's abortion rights, but I did not want to take women's abortion rights out of the context of the broader conglomeration of the issues that constitute women's reproductive rights. At the time, we had learned that vast members of Native American women had been sterilized. We'd also learned the extent to which Puerto Rican women were used as guinea pigs by pharmaceutical companies in the production of what was then the new birth control pill. 
So I wrote a statement in which I tried to make connections between women's reproductive rights and women's rights to be free from force of sterilization. The statement was never read. My position was I cannot talk about abortion rights in isolation from these other issues. I have come to understand that when we talk about feminist epistemologies, we we speak precisely about the ability to think together about things that are often do not cohabit the same analytical space. Davis also discussed the constitute of histories with capitalist societies. According to Davis, capitalist capitalism depends on the belief that the past rights struggles have been resolved, leading to the present condition under which change is no longer necessary. And that, guys, will be my quote of the day instead of me doing a meme of the day due to... The subject matter at hand, I thought that this was the perfect thing to read to you guys. So again, thank you guys for tuning in and joining me on Wetlock Chronicles podcast. Babe. What's up, baby? I love you. Love you too. So now it is time for the update on my amazing husband who presently right now is an asshole. But <laughs> I am still going to give you the update on my amazing husband. He's an asshole right now, and I'm a little mad at him right now. But my husband is entitled to his opinions and how he feels. I mean, I have to respect it even if I don't like it. But my husband has amazing Father's Day. He was so excited and happy um, to get messages from his girls telling him what they would be doing if he was home. And it just melts my heart because I promise you, my husband cannot survive. He cannot survive this time without those girls. He loves those girls so much. And um, although he was away, you know, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, put into his head and into his heart that no matter where he is, that he is loved. He's an amazing father. Um, and that is one of the things that made me love him so much as a daddy's girl. I mean, the relationship and the urgency of him wanting to be a dad and coming home and continuing to be an amazing father is it's just it's a beautiful thing to me. So he had a wonderful wonderful Father's Day. Um, his support for the things that I have been um, dealing with, a lot of different obstacles, um, a lot of decisions that I've made, some things that I want to explore and do. Like, he's just amazing. He's amazing when it comes to being very supportive. He's amazing when it comes to great advice. He's amazing at listening um, when I have to get some things off of my chest. And I will say that he's also very compromising. He does compromise. Um, my husband has changed a lot since we've been, um, since we've been together, you know, from the beginning to now, I can tell you my husband has definitely did close to a 360 he's beyond a 180 he's definitely close to a 360 um outside of this major uh debate that we're having about role versus way i still love my husband and i know my husband loves me and i know that no matter what we go through we'll also um 
have each other's back and make the best decision that's best uh, for the both of us. And he, I, I got his motion in the mail. He was so excited for me to get his motion that he sent in that he worked on his own. Um, and I was amazed. I was amazed. I was so proud of my husband. When I actually read his motion, I would have thought that an actual attorney did it. I was so proud of him. Um, it took a little blood, sweat, and tears to get him to that point because, again, you know, it, it was some some awkward moments that we had that kind of pushed him to basically do this. And I'm so proud of him. I am so proud of him. I mean, he is typing. He's learning a lot of legal jargon. Like, he's doing his thing. He is doing his thing. And he wants me to print it out so that his sister and his niece can also read it. And I'm going to do that. And I'm sure that when they get it, they will be extremely proud of him um, as well. So he's definitely doing his part and what he needs to do about learning the legal system, the different things that he needs to do um, and fighting for him to come home, um, the different programs, the different things that are going on to, you know, that, that, that's being out there, the, um, the um different amendments and motions and all these different things. My husband is doing his thing to learn everything that he can um, so that he can come home. Um, and also, also the other thing that is just so dope to me, um, my husband, before he went away, you know, he was into the music industry. He had an entertainment company and lately he has been talking about, you know, wanting to revamp this entertainment company. So he is on his CEO shit. And as I told him before, you can run a million dollar business from, the penitentiary from the jail and my husband is now stepping into what is greatness to me for him he's trying to get the wheels going for his entertainment company he's trying to start it all over again it's some new things that he wants to um incorporate within this entertainment company um he's been reading books he's been trying to figure out about different money and financial ventures hedge hedge funds all kind of things and i'm i'm just i'm just proud of him i'm just so proud of him and i'm so glad that he's being productive and i'm so glad he's been you know staying positive but that is because of you guys too you guys continuously keep my husband in your prayers you continuously keep him uplifted and i want to thank each and every one of you seriously thank you so much it is appreciated it is appreciated for myself and my husband the prayers the prayers for myself because times get hard these relationships get extremely hard and we have experienced a couple of you know downs a few roller coasters um emotional roller coasters but Thank you guys so much for continuing to pray for him, continuing to keep him uplifted. It is working. Um, my husband is in a great space. He is in an amazing space and um, I couldn't be more happier for him than I am right now. So thank you guys again. And that concludes the update on my amazing husband who right now is an asshole. He's an asshole right now, but I love my husband. He is still supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and amazing, of course. Thank you guys again for tuning in. This is Wetlock Chronicles Podcast. Coming this August 13th, a true crime podcast called Milk and Cereal with myself and my best friend. 
we'll be talking about America's most infamous serial killers. So join us each and every Saturday morning for Breakfast and Murder. The 1970s weren't just a time of endless partying at the local disco. There was also a much darker side to the era, as multiple notorious killers collectively targeted hundreds of victims. When we talk about the golden age of serial killers, it all started in the early to mid-70s with this group of five. Like Gacy and 33 bodies under his house. Bundy traveling across the country. Raider terrorizing over decades and taunting law enforcement and the media. Jeffrey Dahmer, even today, we find his crimes to be on the extreme end of human behavior. Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, confessed to 71 murders over the course of several decades. Five of the most prolific serial killers in American history were all operating at the same time. It was easy for us in hindsight to say, well, why didn't that person get caught or why, why weren't people looking for them? I think we have to keep in mind historically the era. In the 70s in the United States was an innocent sort of place. You find this sort of trusting environment it was normal for people to just hang out with strangers and to hop into strange cars. The murder of people in series has police departments across this country worried. Law enforcement didn't have a definition for serial killers. Those police officers back in the 70s just simply did not have the tools that law enforcement officers have now. Being able to quickly run a name in a database... That's something that didn't exist. There were no computers. No internet. No cell phones. No DNA. There were no surveillance cameras. Record keeping was in the back of everybody's drawer. We didn't yet have the 911 system. And these killers took full advantage of that. John Wayne Gacy. Bundy is still alive. BTK. Jeffrey Dahmer. Green River Killer. Both Wetlock Chronicles podcast and Milk and Cereal True Crime podcast are a part of 1329 Media and Production Company, RT Brand, LLC, and Extra Entertainment. So today, on a serious note, I wanted to talk about Jane Rowe. In 1969, Norma McCorvey, a Texas woman in her early 20s, sought to terminate an unwanted pregnancy. McCorvey, who had grown up with difficult, impoverished circumstances, previously had given birth twice and given up both children for adoption. At the time, McCorvey's pregnancy in 1969, abortion was legal in Texas but only for the purpose of saving a woman's life. While American women with the financial means could obtain abortions by traveling to other countries where the procedures were safe and legal or pay a large fee to a U.S. doctor willing to secretly perform an abortion, those options were out of reach for McCorvey and many other women. As a result, some women resorted to illegal, dangerous back alley abortions or self-induced abortions. 
In 1950s and 60s, the estimated number of illegal abortions in the United States ranged from 200,000 to 1.2 million per year. After trying unsuccessfully to get an illegal abortion, McCorvey was referred to Texas attorneys Linda Coffey and Sarah Winnington, who were interested in challenging anti-abortion laws. In court documents, McCorvey became known as Jane Roe. Now, Wade, Henry Wade. In 1970, the attorneys filed a lawsuit on behalf of McCorvey and all the other women who were who were or might become pregnant and wanted to consider all options against Henry Wade, the district attorney of Dallas County, where McCorvey lived. Earlier in 1964, Wade was in the national spotlight when he prosecuted Jack Rugby, Ru, I'm sorry, Jack Ruby, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, the alleged assassin of President John F. Kennedy. In June 1970, a Texas district court ruled that the state's abortion ban was legal because it violated a constitutional right to privacy. Afterward, Wade declared he continued to prosecute doctors who performed abortions. The cases eventually appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Meanwhile, McCorvey gave birth and put the child up for adoption. On January 22, 1973, the Supreme Court, in a 7-2-1 decision, struck down the Texas law banning abortion, effectively legalizing the procedure nationwide. In a majority opinion written by the Justice Henry Blackman, the court declared that a woman's right to an abortion was implicated in the right to privacy protected by the 14th Amendment. The court divided pregnancy into three three trimesters and declared that the choice to end a pregnancy in the first trimester was solely up to the woman. In the second trimester, the government could regulate abortions, although not ban it, in order to protect the mother's health. In the third trimester, the state could prohibit abortions to protect a fetus that could survive on its own inside the womb except when a woman's health was in danger. The legacy of Roe and Wade, Norma McCorvey maintained a low profile following the court's decision, but in the 1980s, she was active in abortion rights movement. However, in the mid-1960s, after becoming friends with the head of an anti-abortion group and converting to a Catholic Catholicism, she turned into a vocal opponent of the procedure. Since Roe versus Wade, many states impose restrictions that weaken abortion rights, and Americans remain divided over support for a woman's rights to choose abortion. In 1992, legalization against Pennsylvania Abortion Control Act reached the Supreme Court in a case called Planned Parenthood of Southern Pennsylvania versus Casey. The court upheld the central ruling in Roe versus Wade, but allowed states to pass more abortion restrictions as long as they did not pose undue burden. Roe versus Wade overturned. In 2022, the nation's highest court deliberated on Dobbs versus Jackson's 
Women's Health Organization, which regarded the constitutionality of the of a Mississippi law banning of most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Lower courts have ruled that laws was unconstitutional under Roe versus Wade. Under Roe, states have been prohibited for banning abortions before 23 weeks when a fetus is considered able to survive outside a, a woman's womb. In its decision, the Supreme Court ruled 6-3 in favor of Mississippi's law and overturned Roe after nearly 50 years as precedent. And that is a little bit of history um, of the Roe versus Wade. Again, um, Roe versus Wade was a landmark legal decision issued in January um, January 22nd in 1973 in which the Supreme Court struck down a Texas statute banning abortion effectively legalizing the procedure across the United States Um, the court held that women's right to an abortion was um, in the 14th amendment of the constitution and prior to Roe versus Wade, abortion had been illegal throughout much of the country since the late 19th century. And since 1973 ruling, many states um, imposed restriction on abortion rights. The Supreme Court again overturned, uh, overturned it on June the 24th, 2022, um, holding that there would no longer be a federal constitutional right to an abortion. And again, as I said to me, this is a sad day for women in history. And that is all that I have on a serious note, guys. Um, that's all that I have. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still complete, completely speechless on this. But again, that is what I have on a serious note. Thank you, a guy. Thank you, a guy. Thank you again, guys, for tuning in. Um, and for continuing to listen, continuing to subscribe, continuing to pass the word on. I love you guys. You guys are so appreciated. You have no idea. But again, thank you. This is episode nine of season two. This is my deathbed confession. It was 1969. I was pregnant and I was scared. These two attorneys were looking for a plaintiff to help overturn the Texas abortion laws. That was Roe versus Wade. Um, Norma McCorvey, a.k.a. Jane Roe. I came from a rough childhood. We were poor. I like girls, but my mom told me queers are dirty. When I was 16, I got married. I said, I'm pregnant, and he hit me. A lot of people are shocked. I've never had an abortion. Norma McCorvey became the embodiment of the pro-choice cause. I'm not a demure, picture-perfect, white-loved lady. She wanted to be an activist. She was not the poster girl that would have been helpful. Now it is time for my thoughts. I've given my testimony. I've given my opinion. I've given some facts. We all have these documents, these constitutions, these amendments um, about our rights. 
yet these loopholes are super, super big. Our natural God-given rights are constantly being targeted. No one should have a say-so with what you need to do and how you need to do when it comes to your body. These decision makers do not live in our heads. They don't have to deal with our trauma, live in our shoes, walk in our shoes. Um, they don't have to input on our daily day, on our day-to-day lives, on our survivals, on our struggles. So how do they have a choice on anything when it comes to our rights or the way that we choose to live our life and what's best for our lives? They complain so much about food stamps and welfare and free health care. They judge low-income families who can't afford to um, keep food on the table. Kids go to school and get bullied because they're poor, because they're, you know, birth defects, because of the way they dress, because of the jobs their parents have, because of the houses that they live in, the cars that their parents drive. Then you have the ones who want to be like their peers and those are the ones that turn to selling drugs committing violent crimes to get money um just to live the good life on what they see what they are told or what they see for things to mean success to me this is just another failure on our children You want people to bring a child into the world when they're unwanted, when they will not be financially taken care of, when they will have a low quality of life due to forcing health issues. You're even asking for a person to choose their life over a child over their child's life when these children grow up these are the same kids that put these trench coats on and go into these schools and kill their teachers their classmates their peers these are the same children that are bullied in school because of their, the poverty that they face because of the bullying, because of being treated like a misfit. These are the same children that you're forcing into society that turn around and create disaster. Every child, every child Because these are children that have gone into these schools and gone into these churches and gone into these movie theaters. They is because they were bullied. They were bullied because of their financial status. They were bullied because of how they dress. They were bullied because who their parents are. They were bullied because they're different. All of these things come from children being bullied because of systematic things, income things. And again, you want people to be forced to 
bring children into this world that are saying to you, I cannot afford this. I cannot give my child a proper life or I just don't want this child. These are the children and the people that you're asking to bring children into this world that are going to beat their kids because they don't want them. They're going to allow people to molest their children because they don't want them and now you have a child is growing up that's even inflicting that same kind of harm is becoming violent i mean i may be going i may be going too deep i mean i may be going too deep i may be going too deep but these are my thoughts these are my thoughts The government talks about welfare. The government talks about food stamps. The government talks about low-income household and different things like that. But you're forcing families to live like this. You're forcing families who can't even afford childcare to depend on the government for free health care, for free child care. But you tear these same families apart because of this. You have mothers right now that are being prosecuted and sentenced for leaving their kids in hot cars, for beating their kids because they don't want them. But these are the same women who are saying, I don't want this child. I don't want any kids. Some of these people, some of these women know, know and try to prevent from that sickness, that disease that they have, that that was passed on to them from the person that molested them or touched them or did something to them. Sometimes people are trying to prevent history from repeating itself. And this is what you want. You want to force people to not have the right or to have a choice in how they want to live their life and who they want to bring into this world. I think all children are blessings. I think whatever's supposed to be will be. But do not take my right away. Do not take my choice away. If I have to choose my life and endangering my life just to have a child, I want to choose my life. I don't want to risk losing my child and myself or possibly even losing my child knowing what the possibilities can be. And the government is now forcing all of this. Most unhealthy pregnancies are terminated through abortions. If you don't have these abortions, you will die. What about these women? What about these women that have to make that choice but now can't make that choice? As I said before, some may like my opinion, some may not, but it's mine and I have the right to have my opinion. Those are my thoughts. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for joining me for episode nine of season two of wetlock chronicles podcast i love you guys i appreciate you guys thank you so much for listening thank you so much for subscribing please continue to do so i really really appreciate you guys so much i know i say it all the time i know i say it so many times throughout this these episodes i don't have to but i choose to 
Thank you so much. Episode 9, Season 2, Wetlock Chronicles Podcast. Speaker is already at the microphone on the hill. This is just some 45 minutes into that ruling. A nationwide abortion ban. They cannot be allowed to have a majority in the Congress to do that. But that's their goal. And if you read, and again, we're all studying all this, but if you read what is in the very clear, one of the justices had his own statement. It's about contraception, in vitro fertilization, family planning. That is all what will spring from their decision that they made today. It's such a contradiction. Yesterday, the states cannot make laws governing the constitutional right to bear arms. And today... They're saying the exact reverse, that the states can overturn a constitutional right for 50 years, a constitutional right for women having the right to choose. The hypocrisy is raging, but the harm is endless. What this means to women is such an insult It's a slap in the face to women about using their own judgment to make their own decisions about their reproductive freedom. And again, it goes well. I always have said the termination of a pregnancy is just their opening act. It's just their front game. But but behind behind it, and for years, I have seen in this Congress opposition to any family planning, domestic or global when we have had those discussions and those debates and those votes on the floor of the House. This is deadly serious, but we are not going to let this pass. A woman's right to choose, reproductive freedom is on the ballot in November. We cannot allow them to take charge so that they can institute their goal which is to criminalize reproductive freedom, to criminalize it. Right now, they're saying in states that they can arrest doctors and all the rest. What is happening here? What is happening here? A woman's fundamental health decisions are her own to make in consultation with her doctor, her faith, her family, not some right-wing politicians of Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell pack the court with. While Republicans seek to punish and control women, Democrats will keep fighting ferociously to enshrine Roe v. Wade into the law of the land. This cruel ruling is outrageous and heart-wrenching, but make no mistake, again, it's all on the ballot in November. The Supreme Court has ended a constitutional right. This is 50 years proclaimed a constitutional right. What happened today was historic in many respects. Historic in that uh, it had not granted, recognized a constitutional right and then reversed it. This is a first. And again, 
just before it imposed a constitutional right to allow for concealed weapons. How about those justices coming before the senators and saying that they they respected sorry to say the, the president of the court, that they respected the right of privacy in the Constitution of the United States? Did you hear that? Were they not telling the truth then? Again, just getting to the gun issue because really in preparation for this morning, I was really an exalted state about what happened in the United States Senate yesterday. Counterpoint to the dangerous decision of this Trumpian Supreme Court that they made yesterday, but a way to take us to, as the bill is called, community safety. Quick update, guys. Freedom Fest 2022 is on its way July 2nd at Grant Park from 5 to 8 p.m. Guys, let me just tell you, this is going to be an amazing event. There is so much on this itinerary. You guys are going to love it. If you are advocating for a family member, a loved one, a spouse, or you are the voice of someone that's incarcerated, this is where you need to be. This event is getting bigger and bigger as the weeks go on, and it is almost that time. I myself will be there um, live you know, doing interviews with different people, listening to different stories. Of course, I will be there advocating for my husband and so many other people that I have come in contact with, that I have done interviews with. I'm advocating for all of them as well. Um, I want to shout out Michelle Morrison. I want to shout out um, Ashley. I want to shout out uh, John Kite. I want to shout out um christy just all you guys matthew baker jr of course i want to shout out his mother angie like it's gonna be so dope it's gonna be so dope if you have someone that's incarcerated please come to freedom freedom fest 2022 again it will be july 2nd at grant park from 5 to 8 p.m patreon my patreon account guys please sign up for my patreon account the merch is now available on patreon yes you do have to be a membership the lowest membership starts at five dollars also the apple um the the bonus channel on apple the duffies it's five dollars a month $55 for the entire year. I promise you guys, when the Duffy's first episode hits, you will not regret it if you go ahead and subscribe for this exclusive bonus channel on Apple. 1329 Media and Production Company, we are working. We have the Milk and Cereal Podcast coming up in August. We have the Third Side Pod coming up um, in the fall. I'm excited by both of these podcasts. It's so many different things that I am putting my hands into um, when it comes to this media and production and these different projects. I'm excited for it. I've been working really, really hard. I have so much on my plate that I'm trying to figure out how to just navigate and maneuver through everything that I want to do. So 
hey, 1329 is moving. Um, Extra Shot Delivery Service. Extra Shot Liquor Delivery Service is a delivery service um, that myself and my husband have. It will be live. It will be live towards the middle or the end of July. I am working on it now. I am working on the app. I am working on the website. So please, guys, be looking out for Extra Shot Liquor Delivery Service. Listen, when you at a party, when you kicking it, when you with your friends poolside and you don't want to get up, go back to the liquor store. This is where extra shot delivery, <laughs> delivery, extra shot delivery service comes in. Yes, we will deliver. We will deliver your alcohol needs to you so you can be safe. You don't have to worry about drunk driving. You don't have to worry about killing your vibe, having to get up, go to the store. This is where extra shot liquor delivery service is for. It is coming soon. Look for it towards the middle or the end of July. Cakes by Rashida. As you guys know, I do custom cakes. I am also working on updating the website and creating an app for that so that my wonderful and beautiful customers that have been with me since day one can now go online and order through an app, leave your testimonies, get to post pictures from the events that I have helped you um, provi uh, provide for your family, for your loved ones, for your friends. You guys know how much I put love, so much love into my cakes. Um, so yes, Cakes by Rashida website. And the app is coming soon as well. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I love creating cakes. I love creating and helping beautiful moments um, flourish. So again, thank you guys for support on that. Like I said, the ones who have been with me day one, thank you so, 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 so much. You guys keep me busy when it's time to make these cakes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I also want to talk about clean ritual serum this is a actual serum that has been made um by my cousin my cousin Khadija Johnson Dr. Khadija Johnson this is a serum that I have personally been using I'm so excited um that she has put it on the market it is actually available to be purchased um, guys, I love it. Like I said, I personally, um, use it myself. It is, it's amazing. Um, there's so many benefits to clean rituals and I'm going to just kind of throw some things at you real quick. It reduces signs of aging, makes your skin feel smoother, makes your skin look much more radiant, helps maintain healthy looking skin. Guys, listen, I use it. It makes my skin seem glowy um very firm it, it's it's definitely hydrated i love it i love it i have been using it for over a year now and i'm so excited for my cousin um and her partner who have come who have developed cream um clean rituals and you can actually find it on cleanrituals.com that is k-l-e-a-n-r-i-t-u-a-l-s.com that's clean rituals Ladies, this serum is amazing. Try it out. If you do, make sure you tell her I sent you. And for my new 
wonderful, wonderful venture, the Prison Wife Cocktails, which is a collection of innovative craft and classic mixed drinks. Guys, I'm going to take 50 of my favorite, my favorite and famous drinks that I myself have created, and I'm going to put it in a book. Yes, the Prison Wife Cocktails. Um, I have been working on a mock-up. My, uh, myself and my business partner, we kind of went through some things and um, we, we decided on the actual look. I love it. I'm just waiting for um, the actual graphic of the the actual logo. But this is something that I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about. You know, I don't know if you guys know, I have been a waitress and a bartender for over 20 years. Um, I love bartending and I used to help make a lot of different drinks for liquor companies. Um, sometimes when you go to restaurants, you see these, um, these, um, liquor tents on your tables where they'll have like the drink of the week or the drink of the month and the different ingredients. Well, I used to help liquor companies do that with drinks that I actually created for the certain liquors, um, that were brought to me. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. I, I take bartending as chefs do with food, my palate for drinks, I know what to put together, what tastes good together. I love being creative with it. I love being fun with it. Um, actually, MC Shan coined me the mad scientist, quote unquote, because he said it was almost like chemistry when it came down to me making these drinks. So I am now putting together a actual book collection of innovative craft cocktails and classic mixed drinks called prison wife cocktails and as you heard earlier in the beginning of the episode which i will start doing every episode is bringing you guys my actual prison um cocktail prison wife cocktail um of the day and i hope you guys enjoy it once i get these 50 drinks together and i put everything together you will be able to buy the book on the patreon account on the website and on amazon and that is it for the updates guys that is it for the updates i'm so excited about everything i'm doing everything that i'm putting together it is definitely taking me some time because I have so many other things going on, but your girl is working. I'm trying to stay focused. I'm trying to stay motivated. And I thank all of you that have been supporting me from day one, supporting this podcast. It means so much. Um, please continue to listen. Please continue to subscribe. Please continue to pass on. Wetlock Chronicles podcast is now on Amazon Music. That is super dope. I am so excited for that. The more platforms that this um, podcast is on, the more listeners that I have right now. I have 33 states and five or seven countries. I can't remember, but I am now listened to in 33 states and five different countries. That is amazing to me. That is big to me, and I thank you guys so, so much. There's 33 states and seven countries. Wetlock Chronicles podcast is live. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in to episode nine of season two. This is Wetlock Chronicles podcast. Have an amazing evening, and don't forget, enjoy Exhibit A, The Prison Wife cocktail of the day
Thank you guys for joining me on yet another part of my journey. To follow this podcast, you can find it on Facebook and Instagram under Wetlock Chronicles Podcast, Twitter Wetlock Podcast, and be sure to subscribe to the show's YouTube channel by clicking the link in the show's description. To get updates on season two, live episodes, discussion forums, and much more, visit wetlockchronicles.com. You can also get the link to sign the petition for Matthew Baker Jr. within the show's description. Thank you guys again for joining me. Please stay blessed, stay safe, and welcome to Wetlock. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. For episode updates, upcoming live episodes, discussion forms, and contact information, please visit the website, wetlockchronicles.com.